Hello and welcome to Explore, the University of Exeter's podcast. I'm Cam from the Student Comms team. In this episode, we'll be focusing on tourism and exploring the counties of Devon and Cornwall with two local experts. I began by speaking to Malcolm Bell, Chief Executive of Visit Cornwall, and asking him what led him to his current role. Yeah, well, I'm Malcolm Bell. I um, ironically have got a degree in nuclear physics and computing, and I now run a tourist board. Um, so education is never wasted. Um, and I won't bore you with how I ended up with, with there, but my uh, career has been uh, after, after that into technology, then into education and training, then into economic development, and then into a tourist board. But I was born in Cornwall. I've been back in Cornwall now for 10 years. Before that, I was 10 years covering the whole of the Southwest based in Exeter. So uh, I know Exeter well, I know the whole of the Southwest well. It's a beautiful region to be in and, and a delight and a great place to study. Yeah. So what do you think makes Cornwall and Devon great places to be a student and live? I think it's the fact that you get, uh, particularly you've got the cities. So you've got the beautiful city of Exeter, you've got Plymouth, you've got wonderful market towns, but you've got quite a good public transport network on the rail and the buses. So you can go out and explore national parks, uh, the amazing coastline, 600 miles of coastline between the two counties, probably 500 beaches. I know the number for Cornwall, but I'm sure it's about 500 for Devon and Cornwall. Uh, and it's a peninsula with a very mild climate with huge heritage, great culture, but an amazing environment. So as people travel around the counties, what are the kind of things you look out for? Well, I think it depends on your individual interests. Like if you into, you know, walking and exploring that way, then blimey, we are really sport for choice. On your doorstep is Dartmoor, but down in Cornwall, you've got an amazing coast path uh, with circular walks. So you can go for, come down, you know, even, even in the towns, we can access it by uh, rail. There's often bus links out and you can go for a walk and end up back in a pub. That's uh, always a good idea. Uh, if you're interested in culture, then you've got, obviously, the Tate's and Ives, then in St. Ives, you've got the Minac Theatre at certain times of year. Quite a lot of very beautiful small galleries. And then, of course, you've got the galleries in Exeter and you've got uh, the box and the galleries in Plymouth. So culturally, we're, we're very, very rich. Um, and that's, that's another area. And then you get into history and heritage. And, you know, from the cathedrals in Exeter down to our own cathedral to, to prehistoric remains due to industrial archaeology, you know, if you're if you're bent is history, that's great. If it's the environment, it's great. If it's arts and culture, it's great. So it does tend to deliver for everybody. It's like a, I always describe the area as like a box of chocolates without trying to do a Tom Hanks impression. It's just so much choice within it. So have you got any like specific suggestions for places that students can visit, particularly ones that are accessible on public transport and like top destinations in Cornwall and Devon? Yep, I think the first one, I'll start from the west and work my way east. We would be so remiss if you never got on the train and went to Snives. It's on the branch line from, from St. Earth. It's the most amazing, beautiful train journey down past Dawlish and around by the coast through the beautiful Devon countryside, through Plymouth, over the amazing Brunel Railway Bridge, one of the most famous bridges, and then down through Cornwall, and then you get to Snives and the branch line, which is amazing. In the brand in, in St. Ives, you've got one of the most uh, visited holiday towns. It's great out of season. But you've got the Tate St. Ives, uh, amazing gallery. Uh, well, it's about several galleries. You've got Barbara Hepworth, who's a great sculptor, did the sculpture outside the United Nations and others. Uh, and that's a personal favourite. I love the Tate, but the Tate St. Ives. But St. Ives generally is well worth a full day. 
But equally, uh, don't avoid um, going on a bit further on another trip to Penzance, because from Penzance, from in the spring, you've got a great walk, it's not that far, uh, or a cycle over to St. Michael's Mount in Marazan level. You've got Penzance town centre itself, you've got the biggest Lido pool with a geothermal section. And again, it's a great trip on the train. And then pulling back up through, uh, I would say a trip to Truro is well worth it. Uh, a very fascinating museum, cathedral, but some wonderful shops, some good entertainment. Got the hall for Cornwall here, so even an overnight stay. Uh, and I'm trying not to avoid, but obviously you can go to the um, a towns because I'll get offended. You can go to St. Austell and catch the bus out to the Eden Project, the world famous Eden Project, or out down to Charlestown and the coast. So there's a lot of beautiful stuff there. And then coming back up, I would say, obviously, a trip to Plymouth is, is a must. Um, you know, it's the, it's the Pilgrim Father, it's the Mayflower 400. You've got the amazing Boxy, you've got the National Marine Aquarium there. And obviously, you've got an amazing historic city. I took a colleague up the last Friday, hadn't been to Plymouth for a while, and actually had forgotten about the Barbican and how wonderful it was. So you've got all of that. And then shuffling back up towards Exeter on the train routes, um, Actually, I should have said the other one to come to is at Truro, you can change the train to Falmouth, one of the biggest natural harbours in the world, and the third biggest natural harbour, and a beautiful maritime town to go to. And likewise, you can do a trip to Lou on the branch line, and you can go to Newquay on the branch line. But into Devon, you've got Totnes, which is a, a wonderful park to go to. And I think there's bus connections down to, to Dartmouth and Sulcombe. So in a way, it's like, you know, you better have a longer course to cover the whole of it. And then obviously you've got the branch line up to Barnstable as well. So there's a lot of that, but there's also a lot of bus connectivity these days. So even if there's somewhere you want to go, you probably find with a bit of planning. It's very easy to catch the train, link up with a bus, bit of planning, but students are very good at planning. When you're travelling around the counties, what are some of the things that you should be aware of? Maybe if you're visiting the coast, um, things like safety and planning ahead. Yeah, the big safety issues is we've got an amazing coast, uh, particularly the Atlantic coast, but both coasts are, are wonderful. But they are they are big stormy coasts at times, and it's wonderful to be in the waves. But uh, the one thing is to do is you know please if you are going in to swim, do it on a lifeguarded beach. There's over 80 in Devon and Cornwall. There's plenty of beaches. Uh, and just be very, very aware of the sea. You know, if the, if the water's above your knees, one wave can take you out, you know, quite quickly. There's a thing that locals will always talk about. Every seventh wave is a lot, lot bigger than the others. And it's not quite, there's no point counting them. It's, it's one out of seven waves is going to be big and can often be twice the size. So just be aware of that. The same way, really, in terms of, of walking on our coast path, you know, um, the path is great, but it is non-fenced and you have got to, you know, be, be, be wearful. I mean, probably you wouldn't have a dog with you, but keep it on a lead. But just be careful about, you know, slippery paths and stuff like that. Just a natural environment. But those are the two things of water safety and being near cliffs is the main things. We're a very safe area other than that. Yes. Yeah, so you mentioned coast paths. Are there any particular ones you'd recommend? Yes, I mean, a particular thing is um, there's uh, a couple of areas I would suggest is one is around, uh, go, you know, and, and you might, you know, you can do it in a day. I've known people do it in a day, but that's, uh, that's a bit of a challenge. But you can certainly find somewhere overnight is to walk from Penzance to St. Ives, right around the, right around the Atlantic. Um, so you walk out of St. Ives, you, you sorry, sorry, Penzance, you go to a Mausel, beautiful place, well worth going at Christmas, the Mausel lights. You go all the way around to Land's End. 
and you go past the beautiful Minak Theatre, the world famous now Porthcurno Beach and Pedden van der Beach, or Pedden if you're local. Land's End, then you go through the iconic Tin Coast, which is where historic mining was. For anybody watching Poldark, probably too young to watch Poldark, but quite really quite dramatic coastline of ancient mine, mine buildings and the Giva there shows you what that history was like. Real industrial area. I mean, that area was the Silicon Valley of mining 200 years ago. It was the heart of the industrial revolution in terms of mining and where, you know, there are connections to 50 countries around the world from Cornish miners. And then you come back in into St. Ives for that day. So if you want a couple of days and a good walk or even three days and take your time, that's the most iconic walk you can do. Um, but equally, there are some other wonderful walks around the estuaries, you know, the Dart Estuary and, and, and Greenaway House with Agatha Christie, as well as the Fowl and the Foy. But certainly I would say, you know, if, if, you, if you want a memorable two or three days, that walk from uh, Penzance to St. Ives, right around to the furthest southwest point in the country, back into one of the most famous harbours and artist colonies is the one to do. When people are out in nature, what are some of the things that they should be aware of in terms of their impact on the environment? I think the, the thing that I picked up last week, you know, I'm a grey head and old, and I suddenly realised if an animal and a bird is looking at you, you are interfering with it. So there are that, on that path, I can tell you, you will see seals, but don't go near the seals. Stay literally a long way away from them. And if they start looking towards you, then you avert your gaze and you move on. Um, the wonderful example is, and you must have seen pictures of this in the Serengeti, is you will see herds of buffalo and you will see lions walking past them and the buffalo ignore them. And that's because it's an inbuilt thing in nature. You show nervousness and fear of when you're looking at something. So if you're looking at birds, wildlife, anything like that, just bear that in mind. If it's starting to look at you, you're actually interfering with it. So stay back, you know, uh, and watch watch from a distance. You know, it only needs to be 50 yards, 200 yards or looking down. Don't make noises, be quiet and just, just take the time to watch and, and admire what nature can do. Sounds like good advice. So are there any exciting new places or attractions to look out for in the counties? Well, I'm just staring opposite at the Hall for Cornwall, which is now bigger than the Theatre Royal in, in Plymouth and it has major West End shows as well as local shows. So, uh, you know, a day, a couple of days in Truro can include the Hall for Cornwall. Uh, a lot of the other things, and the other ones I should have said earlier on, because when I was going on about it, we have four amazing open top bus rides that happen in the spring through the summer and early autumn. One is around the Land's End area, the other ones are around other parts. So I would certainly say they're probably not new, but they're not thought of of doing. You tend to think of doing the open top bus ride if you're in London or Bath, but you can actually do that route in West Cornwall, North Cornwall, South Cornwall, and in the Southeast on open top buses. And I think it's not known enough to do that. The other one that's new was the new Bodmin Jail. Bodmin Jail has been derelict for over, over 150 years. It's a wonderful hotel now, but right next to it is the Bodmin Jail attraction, which has done a very, very good interpretation. It just won an award for best storytelling. And it tells the story of what life was like in those times and how hard it was and some of the crimes that people were, were punished for and, and, and what sentences they had. And, and not only is that, but that's actually in the jail. And then you go to the cells that are still there. So it's, uh, 
you know, you, you really do get a creepy feeling about that. And it's also, if you're into it, one of the most haunted buildings in the country. So you mentioned the buses there. How can people find out a little bit more about those and book onto them? Yeah, if you go to visit Cornwall.com and look or Cornwall Council's transport section, uh, but it's the best way of saying it because, you know, we want people to use public transport, but even if you're driving in those areas, you don't see anything. Yeah. Not just even if you're the passenger, because we've got these amazing Cornish hedges, which are six foot high, with about another six, eight foot, even more, often more of, of tree on top and brushes. So you can be driving past the most amazing scenery and being in a car, you'll never see it. So there are the way to, to view the coast. Uh, if you're not going to be on all, uh, on your own feet, use the open top buses. Brilliant. So what are some of the kind of, do you think, are some of the benefits of being out in nature and exploring the counties? Well, it's quite fascinating stuff. I pick up a load of facts during my greyhead years. Um, one of the things about being out in nature is it's actually very stabilising for you. Um, it's having a lot of sky above you, um, having a lot of distance. We tend to live in no more so over the last 18 months in quite a bounded world. So like we are now, I'm in an office, you're in a room, students are in their study bedrooms and they're having to look on screens all the time. So it's actually been proven called the green and blue gym, particularly the green gym, that just having that space around you does great things for your mental well-being. Uh, and particularly on the cliff, because ironically, if you think of people, anybody watches, anybody sitting by a cliff, they look out to sea, they don't look inland. And that's because it's very therapeutic to look at infinity, to look at the horizon. And you can get that on Dartmoor, you get it other places. But where we tend to live our lives in a bounded world with, with the ends of our vision, it actually is a bit, it's, it starts to have some semi-claustrophobic um, effects on all of us. And when you get out and you get that air and you get the sea breeze or the, <clears throat> the moors and you've got all that sky and all that vision, you will come back not only recharged, but actually a lot more at peace. So for students particularly, um, as one very stressed daughter doing her degree, um, that, that ability to, to rebalance yourself when it's a very hard, stressful life you're doing with a lot of intense screen time. Um, yes, party as well, but get outdoors, get out in nature. It really is, you know, a real good tonic for you. It's one of the biggest things I missed when I went to college in Manchester. I couldn't get out in the country much when you're in the middle of Manchester. In Exeter, not only is the countryside on your doorstep down to Exmouth and up on other places but but you've got the whole of the region to get a break in so finally what's your advice for during those times when it might feel a little bit more difficult to get out of nature such as periods of bad weather or maybe really busy academic times of the year i think where you are i think um often is you know if you're a keen walker you might have all your walking kit with you i dare say a lot of students might not have brought their walking kit to to trudge through our British mud. What the beauty of being in Exeter is, even if, even if you haven't got long, you can get on the train down to Exmouth. You can walk on that beach, regardless of what shoes you've got. You can get a good blast of fresh air. I mean, if it's a stormy day, there's still nothing better than a walk on the beach. But equally, you've got all those other beaches that are available. You know, I mean, Falmouth, you can go to. The coastline there is amazing. Newquay, you know, go down on a branch line, go to Newquay. And you've got seven amazing beaches and you'll see as many people walking uh, on those beaches on a stormy day as you will on a calm day. It's so invigorating. 
and then you can always go and have a drink to recover. And I just say, enjoy the region. You're, you're working hard, you're studying hard. It can be a real grind, but you've got a great place to, to study and a great region to be in and get out and enjoy it and, and use it as a support and a bit of a therapy as well, as well as great fun. My colleague Joe went on to Dartmoor to speak with Robert Steamson, who is the Community and Landscape Management Ranger for Dartmoor National Park. Joe began by asking him what the specific benefits were for a student visiting the mall. Well, fresh air, exercise, beauty, natural landscape, uh, you name it, Dartmoor's got it all, whether you're alongside a river, going up onto the tours, but I think for me, it's probably also the heritage uh, and the fact, you know, Bronze Age settlements, you know, you've got a bit of everything on Dartmoor. There's wildlife, bird life, animals. So it's a bit of everything, really. And it's just such a special area. If, if, if you're studying, you can really connect. I mean, I'm lucky enough, I work here every day. So I suppose I connect in a slightly different way. But I think if you're, if you're working hard and studying in a busy job, and certainly if you're in the middle of a city, Having those green spaces, of which Dartmoor is a huge one, is actually vital. Dartmoor and other wild sort of areas, landscapes, give you that green lung, if you like, and that inspiration, so you deep, sort of fresh air and stuff like that. So health and well-being, I think. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. that, 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 that it's mental health and the, the role the that nature plays in yeah. that has become more and more apparent yeah. over the last year. So yeah. Dartmoor's the perfect place to, it is. It, I to mean, refresh. Obviously, I'm going to sell it to the hilt, aren't I? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm very lucky, lucky enough. I grew up in the area and I've worked up here uh, for, for you know, all my working life as well. So yeah, it's great. And I mean, the beauty for me is, is seeing other people enjoy it, particularly youngsters and families, you know, paddling around in the streams and the rivers and being able to point out to them, as we did earlier, there's a skylark up there somewhere, you know, or maybe seeing a nest or something like that or you know the last few weeks people have seen adders and things like that sort of quite rare things and people sort of connecting with that nature and learning from it you know particularly youngsters you can just see so much by by going on a quick walk and listening you know I mean this morning I met somebody with like ear things on I'm thinking gee you're out of the lovely landscape I mean I wasn't going to say anything to him but I'm just thinking you know why they got that on you're right next to a river listen to the river do you know what I mean so I think it's, it's, it's partly that, it's, it's listening to it and connecting it. And I think a lot of people have done that now. You've kind of like been forced to sort of stay in your own backyard or your garden or when lockdown restrictions are eased to go walking locally. So people have suddenly seen, they've had a bit more time to sort of see, oh, there's a flower, you know, there's a tree. Oh, the, tree, the leaves are changing colour out the, throughout the year. And I think it's that's that real reconnection with nature that sort of, to me anyway, makes the world go round. And the more people that can understand that and, and understand the value of that and also respect the landscape they're coming out to, that's important to us, I was is that say, they respect what, it. What, what can you and what can't you do on the mall? Well, it's quite, quite simple, really. There's, a, there's a, few, a few sort of general rules, really. One would, be, one would be to obviously make sure you're safe at all points and you've got the correct kit with you if you're coming up onto Darmouth, particularly if you're going walking. And tell so, someone... Where you're going? Yeah, tell somebody where you're going. You took <laughs> words right out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you're going, sort of expeditioning, if you like, obviously letting somebody know where you're going, because if if, if if local people see a car overnight in a car park, sometimes that can set off a sort of missing person search or something like that. So we don't want sort of false alarms. So let somebody know where you're going and when you like to be back. So that's the first sort of rule. If you're coming out and camping, to make sure you take all your all your gear with you, all your food and all your supplies with you. But the important thing is to bring anything, all your litter, home with you and, and deposit it safely. 
Uh, again, if you're camping, you know, use a portable uh, barbecue or stove, a proper little camping stove. It's illegal to have a, a, a fire on the ground. And that's a sort of an, open fire. An open fire. That's illegal because all the land on Dharma was owned by somebody. So you're actually on somebody else's property with their sort of unofficial permission, if you like, because you're allowed to sort of camp. But what you're not allowed to do is to camp in the wrong places and you're not allowed to have fires on the ground and obviously not to leave litter, you know? And presumably you can find out that information on the website. All on our website. It's on the Nutmore National Park website and, and, and other sort of links, if you like. The General Countryside Code, the stuff on the Natural England website. You'll find similar stuff on the wildlife insi- um, websites as well. So there's a lot of information out there. And certainly our, our website is as good as any on all the rules and regulations on Dartmoor. We obviously don't want... We want people to enjoy it, but the key thing is for us is to respect it. So not blocking and parking in farmers' gateways, not trespassing onto private land. And, you know, Dartmoor is a big place. Closing There's plenty the of space for everybody. Closing gates is another <laughs> one, or leaving gates as you find them. But the countryside code is being sort of um, revamped, has been revamped, and sort of re it gets sort of republished or revitalised, re, um, if you like, again at the minute. So there's lots of information out there. And I think it's just having that sort of, it's a different area, it's a different area because... It's an area where everybody can come in and enjoy it and, and look after it. And that's what we ask people to do. If you're a student then, there's there's quite a few public transport links yes. across the moors, aren't there? Yes. Bus routes and yes. there's a new train route going up to Oakhampton, there isn't is there? And that sort of thing. Yes. Where are a few places that might be nice to start then? Well certainly, I mean, if you're into cycling, there's a particularly good cycle network that comes out from Plymouth now and you can come right up to here, here at Princeton on a bike quite easily, a, a mixture of cycle trails, so tarmac pass if you like, right up onto the edge of the moor. Um, and can you cycle out from Exeter way as well? Uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can as well. You can cycle Exeter, you can come up towards, certainly up towards Widden Down and out towards Dunsford, they don't, yeah. and, and down to Chudley. Um, they just work or there's certainly uh, projects in the pipeline in the last year or so you've got the Ray Valley Trail which is from Bovey which goes up now from Bovey to Morton Hampstead via in and around Lusty and I haven't done it myself yet but I understand it's very good and and quite popular so that's a useful one as well and there's certainly lots of other money being pumped into other routes leading out from other towns and villages off the moor onto the edge of the moor and then the network on Darnwall will be improved thereafter so lots of bridleways Part of my role, if you like, is to improve some of the bridleways to be slightly more acceptable for mountain bikes and people on bikes as well as horses and people on foot. So there are those. There are, slowly and surely there are um, electrical points for cars, for yeah. hybrid cars and electrical cars going in. So there's, there's, one go, uh, there's one already gone in at Haytor. I think there's one over at Princeton, or they didn't check earlier. There's certainly going to be one, some going in at Post Bridge. Um, so that green infrastructure is slowly going into place. And obviously now, sort of good news, if you like, there's more talk of the um, the buses now. There's a, the Transmore Link, I think they call it, coming across the moor again. It's been revitalised. So there is plenty, there's plenty of opportunities uh, and there's certainly some very good um, official mountain bike routes as well now. So the perfect place, really, if you're just doing some exam if revision if, or your blimey, dissertation, yeah, if, you're, if you're stressed you up in an office or in, in a student block and you want to relieve those stresses then yeah get out onto Dartmoor and come out and enjoy yourself but respect the place.